presenting T.L. Osborne in his book, Healing the Sick, Chapter 12. Learning about the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of healing the sick. Well, today we have an exciting lesson. You know, we're coming close now. Next week, be prepared for a checkup, a review, to make a resume, to repunctuate uh, in your mind what you have learned. Today will be a terrific time together, and I want to share with you, we'll begin in our textbook, Healing the Sick, we're over to about page 35 for today. Now we're going to share with you as a scriptural base today, Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Now here are some terrific verses. You're far enough along now, I'm beginning to put heavy stuff on you. Because you're not babies anymore. It's time to start walking tall. This truth is working in you. He ordained 12. Well, you say that left me out. I'm not one of them. I am. He ordained me. I'll show you a little bit later where he ordained you. Okay. He ordained 12. Why? What did he ordain them for? What are you about in life? What is God's blessing upon you for? Here's what it says. He ordained 12. Number one, that they should be with him. Isn't that terrific? Lo, I am with you. Lo, you can be with me. I like it that way too. I walk with him. He walks with me. He ordained 12. Number one. Why? Number one, that they should be with him. Number two, that he might send them to preach or teach or tell or witness or sow or talk or minister. Who cares whether it's preach or teach? Who wants to, as the French say, couper le cheveu en quatre? Who wants to split hairs four ways and say, oh, I'm a teacher. Oh, I'm just a witness. Oh, I'm a preacher. Who cares? Is the prostitute interested in that? Is the poor fellow out here that's got mortgages in debt about to go bankrupt, does he care whether you're a preacher or a teacher or a witness or what? No. The world is hurting. We're talking about, this course is a course on the ministry of healing the sick. I don't care what you call yourself. Just go share Jesus. He ordained them that they should, number one, be with him. Never forget it. You're with him as well as him with you. Number two, that he should send you to tell the story. Number three, and to have power, H-A-V-E, say have. Have dynamite. Dunamis. He ordained them to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. 
You have that. You like that? Now that's what I believe. I believe I'm ordained of God. I was ordained by preachers. That didn't impress me very much. But God ordained me. That impresses me very much. Because when God ordained me, He ordained me that I could be with Him. And you know I have a feeling His ordination rests upon everyone He calls. And that's you and all of those unbelievers you're going to preach to and get to accept Christ's call. I tell them, I'm only interested in one call. What is that call? Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you. Let's show the world that. Let's share that with the world. Well, do you want to take a trip in the gospel of T.L. and Daisy? <laughs> Let's go over to France. You know, France is one of the toughest nations and one of the bleakest spiritually in the world. Well, I hope that doesn't offend anybody. I hope if French people hear me say that, you won't be offended. I've been all over France. I know. You're a Frenchman. You say it's not that way here. What do you know? You've just been in France. <laughs> Take it from me. I've been all over the world. I can compare you with Japan and compare you with Africa and compare you with Mexico. And compare... It's one of the tough ones. But truth is breaking out all over France in a great way and things are happening. And you know, in a mysterious way, God has raised up the gypsy people of France to stir the fires of France. In the city called Rennes, we've just come in from one of the greatest days we've witnessed in France. Thousands of gypsies and their conveyances formed a great parade and came singing and marching through the city to the campaign grounds. It was impressive and very large. After the people gathered on the grounds, I preached on water baptism and led them in a great prayer for salvation as many received Christ and were born again. Wrapping up the campaign, we built a big baptistry on top of the platform and used tarpaulins, waterproof tarpaulins, and lined it and created a baptistry. <laughs> then the baptismal service began. Our daughter, LaDonna Carol, she was the first to be baptized by the gypsy pastors. Wasn't that nice? We thought that was nice. Then followed the others. Many could be seen going down into the water, weeping and coming up praising God. Then a Muslim from Algeria came confessing that he wanted to be baptized since he had believed on Jesus Christ and had accepted him in the crusade and he was baptized. And we all rejoiced. He went to the microphone and gave his testimony of faith in Jesus Christ declaring that his entire life was now dedicated to follow Jesus. Then a man who is an outstanding gypsy nightclub singer came and testified that he too had been gloriously saved today and he must be baptized. <laughs> he had on a beautiful suit and he had run to the nearby shops to see if he could buy clothes to be baptized in, but he couldn't. So he returned quickly to keep from missing his opportunity. He confessed that he had been a very unclean man and a terrible sinner, but now he was completely saved and so happy his wife 
was by his side in tears and together, beautiful clothes and all, they were baptized in water. It was wonderful. Hallelujah. Wonderful things. Many others came and testified and were baptized too. I was particularly impressed by two outstanding gypsy violinists who had played in the gypsy orchestra. They came to be baptized. One is very, very old, very witty, lively, and an excellent musician. In fact, he played for President Theodore Roosevelt when he was a young musician. Isn't that beautiful? The other one is considered to be the best gypsy violinist alive. He was converted a few days ago. And these two great musicians went into the tank and were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that terrific? Wonderful things. Before they were baptized, I asked the orchestra, and you haven't heard music till you hear a gypsy orchestra, a Holy Ghost-filled gypsy orchestra in France play. God is going to call on them in heaven to play special redemption songs. I expect Phil Driscoll will get to be in on it with them. <laughs> and a few more people. So I asked the orchestra to play a beautiful gypsy hymn as these two great gypsy musicians were buried with Christ in the waters of baptism. Hundreds of people wept as the orchestra played like angels. When they rose from the water, the crowd rejoiced and glorified God. Hundreds were baptized. Only God knows the glory of this occasion today. This great city of Rennes will never be the same. I thank God that we were there. Praise the Lord. And as the French would say, Gloire à Dieu pour tout ce que le Seigneur a fait pour ceux qui ont cru que Jésus est ressuscité d'entre les morts et qu'il est vivant aujourd'hui. Gloire à Dieu. N'est-ce pas? N'est-ce pas? Isn't it so? Isn't it so? Sure. Sure. Let's jump over to Holland and see what God's doing over in Holland. This Holland crusade is truly historic. The greatest crowds ever in Europe's history to receive the gospel face to face. Police claimed that from 120 to 150,000 were gathered on the Malifeld grounds tonight. That's the very place where Hitler came and harangued the Holland people when he bulldozed, butchered his way through Holland. And on that same field, we erected a great platform. And there we preached Jesus to the people. It was terrific. There were at least a hundred policemen present. I don't know how many scores of Red Cross nurses and staffmen, stretchers and trucks were on duty. They have gathered all spare wheelchairs and cots from this entire area. To watch them was like watching an ambulance corps on a battlefield serving the wounded and the helpless. The papers, the radio, the TV, all are favorable in their news coverage. I never saw anything to equal what happened in Holland. God caught them by surprise. And even the journalists didn't have a chance to get their negative guns cocked. They were just caught up in so much good that they didn't have time 
to dig up and get all of this negative theology and cynicism. God sometimes pulls surprises on people. The committee had been uneasy about the chief of police who has been quite demanding on us to have everything just so. Well, Holland is like that, you know. Europe is like that. And so he was tough on us, all right. They thought he might be looking for technical reasons to curtail the campaign. But today, the committee secretary was summoned to the office of the chief of police, who had also gathered together a large number of his top men. Before them all, he told his men how he believed that this was of God. And that he was very, very thankful that such a meeting and such wonders of God could take place in his city, Holland's capital. So the spooky preachers didn't have to worry anymore. <laughs> the chief of police said, go to it. It's great. It seems almost unprecedented to me the way this nation is doing everything possible to make this campaign a great success. Tonight, I preached on John 3.16. You notice the kind of sermons I preach every time I read any of this to you? Never have we seen a mass of people more attentive. Literally thousands accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and were born again when we invited them to decide for Christ. Then we prayed for the great mass of people and miracles of healing were everywhere. There's no way I could convey the glory of this meeting. A girl who was 90% blind was completely healed. You understand only a few could ever get up to testify. Hundreds were healed that we never did know anything about. A fine man who had a severe back injury, a cancer on his nose, and a double rupture was perfectly made whole. The back injury was gone, the cancer was gone, and his double rupture was gone. A woman who had been in a wheelchair for 21 years was perfectly healed. During the message, she just got up and began to walk and was made entirely whole. Then she ran to the platform to show everyone how she could run and even jump. Then a funny thing happened. When she went down from the platform, she couldn't find her wheelchair. It was gone. <laughs> At the hotel that night, a government information agency man told me that he saw her running about everywhere so happy, but looking for her wheelchair, and she never did find it. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Wonderful things happen in these meetings. A lad took off the steel braces from his legs that had been paralyzed by polio. He walked back and forth on the platform to show that his legs were perfectly healed. A man on two crutches was marvelously healed and came across the platform carrying his crutches. Another man who could only walk with the aid of two canes was healed. He too came rejoicing, carrying and waving his canes. A woman in a wheelchair got up and was healed. She was so happy. A lady was healed of cancer of the breast. It was gone. Another lady was healed of a hernia. A man was healed of asthma. An old woman, totally blind, was carried to the crusade in a wheelchair. That dear old lady was completely healed. She really raised a shout in the camp when her blind eyes came open. And then she got up out of her wheelchair and began to walk normally. She could see everything clearly and could walk as good as anybody could walk. 
It was really amazing because she was a real heavy woman. <laughs> there were scores of other marvelous miracles and as usual, hundreds raised their hands in the audience saying that they were healed but couldn't get near the platform. Holland can never forget this day and can never be the same again. You want some more good stuff? Jesus said, if you'll abide in me, in John 15 verse 4, and me in you, then you can ask what you will and it shall be done. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Live in the word. Believe in the word. Preach the word. Give the word. Let the word pour through you. You are hooked to the vine. What can a grapevine produce other than grapes? What can a Jesus branch produce other than Jesus? What is Jesus? Perfection, happiness, health, wealth, tranquility, peace, abundance, life, zoe, dunamis, dynamite, terrific, Jesus. Amen? I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If he's in you, you'll bring forth many Jesus people. Set as the crusade, as the goal of your life, my dear student friend, that you shall embark upon life with one goal. I, by the grace of God, shall make Jesus people. I shall make people like Jesus. You can't do that barking at them. You can't do that scolding them, condemning them, jabbing your finger at them, arguing with them. It always makes me a little nervous to hear a preacher with an argument in his voice. Analyze yourself. Keep the argument out of your voice. Keep peace. Be tranquil. Be dynamic. Be happy. Be turned on. But you've got one mission. Make people like Jesus. And you'll succeed. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered and so forth. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You can pray and get prayers answered. Herein is my Father glorified that you make lots of Jesus people. That you bear much fruit. What is your fruit? Jesus and people. Verse 16. Here's the goodie. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you. And, you want the next word? Ordained you. Why? Why did he ordain you? That you should go. Go someplace. Move. Go get them. The world is yours. Take your choice. Don't waste time waiting on a call. Go. Jesus said, I've chosen you, but you should go. Is that all? No. And that you should bring forth fruit. Make Jesus people. 
I've ordained you. You can do it. Go. And the third thing, that your fruit should remain. Believe that when you give people the gospel and they accept it, that they are born again and that they will remain and be strong, they'll do it. I've ordained you. I've chosen you. Fourth, that whatsoever you shall ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. Isn't that terrific? That's what I believe. And I spend my life telling people those things. Healing the sick. The ministry of healing the sick. You know God wants us to be healed. Physically healed. Physical healing. Of course, nothing is as important as spiritual healing. But physical healing is so close to us because we, our spirits, our being, we are shut up in this physical, we are locked in this physical body. This physical body is hooked up to a nerve system. We hear, smell, taste, feel, see. Five senses. We are locked in this house that hears, smells, tastes, feels, sees. A nerve system. A system that if that finger hurts, it'll send a signal up to my brain and it will occupy my brain and I can't hardly think about anything else. Think about that. That's why physical healing is so important as a ministry. Help people be healed. Pain is the number one attention getter. When people suffer, they can't think about other people and help other people. A Christian who suffers pain in their body cannot carry out the ministry of Jesus as Jesus wants them to because they hurt. I get fed up sometimes with all the preachers given all the theological reasons about why God wants to heal the sick and all these fancy reasons. I know all those fancy reasons. But the real reason God wants people to be physically healed is because he don't want people to hurt. He has compassion. Do you? A doctor will study for 10 or 12 years or more because he wants to give his life to help people not hurt. How about us? How about you and me? How much time will we dedicate? Will we care as much for the physical being of people, the physical comfort of people? Will we care as much as a doctor who maybe doesn't even claim to believe in Christ? Doesn't brag about having compassion? Doesn't make no big deal about the sacrifice that his family's made or the years he spent in school? Do we care as much as a doctor? What are we bragging about anyway? Huh? How can we be messengers of Jesus Christ and not be interested in sick people? Everywhere the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion toward the sick. I pray that a compassion 
would be born in you today. And I've given you the reason. Pain in the body, discomfort in the body is the number one attention getter. And if the devil, by pain and sickness, can hold people's attention, then they can't pray as they would like to. They can't minister as they would like to. They cannot witness as they would like to. They cannot go out and help people as they would like to because they become self-centered with their own pain. Not because they want to be, but because when that pain is flashing on that brain, boy, it'll get your attention. I don't want to hurt. I don't want people to hurt. God don't want anybody to hurt. Our bodies are made not to register pain, but to be vibrant with this Zoe, this dunamis, this life from Jesus in us, vibrating in us. Oh boy, it feels good. You feel good? I feel good. I get up every morning feeling good. And when I look at people who are suffering, I say, thank you, Lord, that you've allowed me to be a channel of mercy and compassion to hurting people. God wants hurting people not to hurt so much that he offers many ways to be healed. Not just one way. I love Kenneth Hagin. He always, when he goes to pray for the sick, senior and junior as well, but he will always explain so patiently. Now, I do it this way. I line them up and I touch them and God heals that way. But he will always explain. That doesn't mean everybody has to do it that way. God may use another man to do it another way. Isn't that beautiful? I remember a day when all the preachers, they did it their way and someone else did it some other way. And then they had them a good sermon to go to Lambast and everybody else say, you got to do it my way to be right. Isn't it beautiful today what's happening? Unity in the body of Christ. Love for people. God offers so many different ways. And in our textbook, we've included all several chapters. One, asking in Jesus' name. Another chapter, if any two shall agree, you can get it. Another chapter, the elders can anoint with oil and the sick can get healed. Another chapter, you can lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. Another chapter, you can bless a cloth and send it and they'll be healed another chapter healing in redemption and then it goes on and on and on we'll be treating all those subjects as we get to them today a few remarks in this lesson number 12 about asking the father in jesus name one method of being healed not the only one but one jesus name John 14, 13, whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. It makes him happy and brings him glory when you pray in the name of Jesus and help somebody. Terrific. John 16, 23, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. You can't beat that for a promise, can you? According to these scriptures, we have the family right to ask the Father for healing in the name of Jesus Christ and receive healing. 1 John 5, 14, if we ask anything according to his will, 
Oh, you say, there it is. She might not be his will. No, 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 no. That means according to his promise. According to his will means according to his promise. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his promise, we know he hears us. You can know God hears you. And if we know he hear us, we know we have the petitions that we desired of him. That's faith. You believe that? Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever, isn't that a beautiful promise? What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Remember, your desire and your prayer must be in the name of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, verses 9 and 10. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name. Say, a name. Which is above every name. Say, above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Angels, people, and demons shall bow to the name of Jesus. I love that. Beings in the three worlds honor that name. Smith Wigglesworth tells about praying in the room of a man dying of tuberculosis. Dying of tuberculosis. He was impressed to do nothing but walk around his bed back and forth, back and forth, saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And it wasn't long until the tubercular man, terminal, was turned on with new life from heaven and was healed and raised up, perfectly cured, the name of Jesus. I know what that means. Many a time, standing before a great mass of people, I have finished my message, invited people to be saved, multitudes converted, and then when I go to pray, I would cry out over the microphone. I call over this body of people, the exalted and holy name of Jesus Christ. And I charge every demon and every spirit to bow to that name and clear out of here. For I give dominance to the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ. And just make my prayer like that. Never say anything else. Just say that over and over for a little while. And I'll tell you, I've never done it yet. When things didn't start happening, people start jumping, people start getting well, cripples get well. Praise the Lord. Peter said to the cripple in Acts 3, 6, Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and he leaping, jumping, rejoiced with them, praising God. Boy, didn't that turn things on in Jerusalem. They all gathered around gawking, how'd you do that? 
We thought Jesus was dead. Yeah, Peter said, you thought so, but you killed the wrong one. God brought him back to life again. And how do you think that made him feel? The man we murdered is loose and free on the streets again. The people who ridiculed him as he hung on the cross, those who crucified him must have thought, boy, I hope he don't meet me in a dark alley. I helped kill him. I was jubilant when he died. I felt we had gotten rid of the great plague, the great curse, the great nuisance of the public. Did we kill the wrong man? Is he alive again? He said, how'd you do it? Peter said, see, you killed the wrong man. He's alive again. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man whole whom you see and know so well. And I proclaim that all over the world. If Jesus is dead, his name has no power. If Jesus is alive again, then his name has the same power that it had before they killed him. And I believe that. I always preach that. I always explain that patiently to the people. And God always proves it. Acts chapter 16, verse 18. Paul said to the demon in the woman, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And the insane woman was healed. Do you ever do that? I've done that. That's fun. That's wonderful to be able to do that. You can do that. You can do that. Do it in the name of Jesus. I preached in Japan, a great campaign there in Kyoto. Afterwards, we preached to the preachers and to the people, teaching the Christians. And a young man, he took me serious. He believed he could do it. He went downtown in front of a club, a nightclub. And there is the place he stopped and started preaching. He stopped a blind person on the street, prayed for them in the name of Jesus, and their eyes come open. And he had a crowd. Fresh faith. He just went out there and did it. Don't be hesitant. We have the name. Hallelujah. You believe that? When Jesus sent the 74th in Luke 10 and 17, it says, And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. They found out his name had power. Terrific. I found that out. I use it. He wants me to. Now he said, don't get too carried away about that. The important thing is that people's names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven. That's the main thing. Amen. But there's none other name given under heaven among men whereby they can get their names written in heaven. But the name of Jesus, Acts 4.12. E.W. Kenyon says, when Jesus gave us the right to use that name, the Father knew all that name would imply when breathed in prayer by oppressed souls. And it is always his joy to recognize that name. The possibilities involved in that name are beyond our understanding. When Jesus says, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he's giving us a sign check on the resources of heaven and asking us to fill it in. What a privilege. If you are in need of healing, 
begin a study of the resources of Jesus in order to get a measure of the wealth that name holds for you today. It is yours to use today. Jesus said so. Believe that he told the truth and begin to use his name in prayer today. Jesus is saying, you ask the Father in my name, I will endorse that petition, and the Father will give you anything I have endorsed. Beautiful, isn't it? As we take our privileges and rights in the new covenant and pray in Jesus' name, it appears that the request and the petition passes out of our hands into the hands of Jesus. He then assumes the responsibility of that need, and we know that he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hearest me, and I know that thou hearest me always. In other words, we know that the Father always hears Jesus, and when we pray in Jesus' name, it is as though Jesus himself were doing the praying. He takes our place. The answer is sent to us from the Father, and we rejoice. Isn't that terrific? Praise the Lord. I think that's wonderful. Whatsoever, John 14, 13, 14, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Say, I will do it. God says that. I'll never forget the night a young lad saw me praying for the sick. He was 17 years old. His name was Wilberforce Morris. At the age of nine, he had had a terrible case of typhoid fever. A long weeks of fever in his country where they had no cure and not much help for him at all. That fever destroyed his eardrums, his hearing nerves, and his vocal cords. Destroyed him. Fever literally destroyed them. They withered away, and he was left stone deaf and mute. Later, both his father and his mother died, and he was left a roving beggar, a little orphan boy out on the streets. But he had learned to read and write before he was nine, so he communicated by notes, and he always had a piece of paper and a little pencil with him in his pocket. A kind woman knew his plight and found out about him and took him into her home as her son. Before he was deaf, he had learned to play the clarinet. So despite his illness, stone deaf and mute, not even a squeak, he continued to study music. And the woman was so touched by his ambition to study music that she paid for his lessons and let him study music in school, put him through school like you would your own child. Isn't that a touching story? So he studied music and was allowed to because the school supervisor was touched by his case and touched by this fine woman willing to pay for his lessons. Now that's his story. Then they heard about our meeting and they came and they watched. Wilberforce watched me pray for people. And he saw so many miracles and he decided God can do that for me too. Now he couldn't hear anything. They would let him read. He could read, see. But he said, God, do that for me. And he got his chance. Hallelujah. Each night he'd get closer to the front. One night, I saw him. And you know, when you see somebody like that, boy, you can spot him. I can spot him in a crowd anywhere. And I saw him, and I knew he was right. That's the same thing as Paul, when he saw that man in Lystra, you know, crippled from his birth, and he perceiving that he had faith to be healed. 
I saw him. And I called him. And he come, and he didn't stand up. He knelt. He come right up to me and landed on his knees. I placed my hands on his head, my fingers in his ears. Oh, I was burning. And I commanded the deaf and dumb spirit to come out of him in the mighty name of Jesus, I called over him that name. Well, don't ever forget faith. You don't go by what you hear, feel, taste, smell, or see. You go by what this says. Not a thing happened. Not a change. I had such peace, I knew the miracle had taken place. That's faith. If you know what that is, you can have faith. So, he looked up at me. He was crying. I touched his chin. I said, get up. He stood up. And as he stood there, all of a sudden, he heard the people. And they began to sing. And he heard it. And he began to cry. His ears were open. He went home. He couldn't speak a word. The next morning, he woke up. He had the voice of a perfect boy. That boy became one of the special singers in his church. Perfectly healed. The name of Jesus. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. In the name of Jesus, I bless you.